All right, guys. Welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin, and I am joined by OPEX Fitness founder, James Fitzgerald. James, tell us about your favorite type of music. Hey, uh, I'd love to be able to say that's almost as unfair as the uh, book question, uh, which I think you asked, but it's not. Um, I'm, although I'm pretty eclectic in my, in my music choice, I think uh, if you were, if I was to like get, uh, you know, knocked off this planet by a, a car, um, you know, and they found my phone and looking for evidence and they're like, let's just search through his music history to kind of come up with like what he's in. You'd be, I think people would be like, wow, it's, it's quite broad. Uh, I, uh, I had uh, uh, John Coltrane on uh, the other night uh, preparing supper. Um, I listened to Dead Mouse this morning and then uh, Canadian indie rock kind of mishmash. I listened to some Dead Mouse during my skier kettlebell swing stuff and then some Canadian indie rock during some resistance training. Um, man, I, my dad uh, had a number of vinyls in the late 70s and 80s that uh, were my first introduction um, to music, which kind of gives you an idea, you know, where, you know, how it set the tone, which was uh, um, Led Zeppelin, um, Glenn Campbell, um, the Beatles. So, you know, country, classic rock and pop, you know, it's like, so it's a nice blend of all of them. So, yeah, maybe, maybe an episode to itself where you and I could both just jam on music, music selection, rhythm and something. I think that would be interesting. I'm not sure how we'd fit it into a uh, fitness inside of philosophy, but uh, um, maybe we can jam on it because I like it. I like discussing my various uh, uh, experiences with uh, with music, and I think it I think it brings people together to talk about their enjoyment of music, and you know. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, that Oliver Sacks book. I want to say Musicophilia or what, what? I forget the name of it, but it's like the the brain science behind music. And then there's a branch of philosophy called aesthetics, which is concerned with like beauty and art but also there's a whole huge music component in there so oh yeah there we go there's our end that's all we needed was to find right. a, a language that would fit us into that um so yeah I'm, I'm all up for that because uh yeah there's lots of lots of good stuff in there yeah and we could probably tie in a little conversation on expression art and expression you know and oh, yeah. physical expression and where that fits in and yeah and what type of music ties with like sustainable map 10 versus like oh, you know, oh, you know we're going there you know yeah. we're going there yeah, yeah. for sure um yeah we know we're going there um as an example too you know just because uh you asked up front uh sean mccullough uh who's a uh, opex gym owner and a colleague and coach and friend uh sent over um uh, just a you know an interesting song that he was listening to is this i think it was an icelandic uh, uh musician and uh, I think it's Jonesy, J-O-N-S-I. And of course, the S, I think, has the, or the I is a little different in the in language. language. But uh, there was a song on there. Um, I think it's Grow Till Tall. That's the name of the song. Anyways, uh, he sent it over and then, like, captured it with, like, it probably, it's almost like giving someone 
a wine selection with meals. It's like this song would go best <laughs> with this, you know? And there's so much beauty in that, right? Like there's a song selection which has this like this ambiance and uh, and feeling around it. And he was like spot on. He was like, you know, late day walk, sun setting, you know, kind of song. And like you listen to it, it's like, man, that's like money, like right on the nose. Um, anyways, uh, so I'm, I'm all across the board with regards to music. And uh, I, I have to say that um, I do find myself in, in a really positive, um, aware state, um, like a very content, satisfied feeling when I'm listening to music, like a really deeply like shit is good. This is what happiness is, you know, um, when I'm listening to music. So I think there's something good in there. Agreed. Yeah. I definitely feel the same when I mean, art, I've always like visual art. I've always been, you know, there's some I enjoy here and there, but mostly more confounded by than anything else. But music has always been something that just, yeah, speaks to me in like right. all different sorts of varieties. And... Yeah. Good stuff. Great question. And uh, uh, not to ask you to be brief on it, but uh, I got one back for you. Your favorite uh, live concert. Ooh, I, ooh, I have a couple, um, but I probably the main one. I saw Jay-Z at Madison Square Garden while in college. And it was like the year after um, Fade to Black, like his retirement album. And yeah, I mean, <clears throat> no one actually thought he was gonna be like really, really retired, but like that retirement idea led to easily one of my favorite albums like ever. Um, and uh, that was pretty awesome. I bet. Really cool. I bet. So that was, yeah. That, yeah, man. I can imagine that. Uh, good talent live? Oh, yeah. I mean, just amazing. Like, I, they made a separate one of his appearances at Madison Square Garden, like, into a concert movie, which was excellent. But even the the, the one that I went to see, which wasn't the movie, was still, like, yeah, I mean, he's just a performer at heart, just okay, like, great. So yeah, it was really good. Super. Um, as an aside, just out of curiosity, do you do you have Spotify? Do you use Spotify at all? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm I'm gigantic Apple junkie, but I and and a privacy junkie. <laughs> prefer not to let the Borg know like everything <laughs> about me. But I will say this: as far as music, probably one of the biggest things that's. Um, like probably the only reason I use Spotify as opposed to something else is like they have that discover weekly, like yeah. where it's like 30 yeah. songs and like yeah. every single week there is something on there that like blows my mind. Yeah. Bro, buy Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, what a very intelligent way of, I think, uh, circumventing that whole privacy thing, you know, uh, my belief anyways, which I'm sure everyone is aware of that um is in five years will there'll be another book written like one of those over there by an engineer inside of these music companies that are showing there's logarithms based upon people's actions and behaviors and move music selection uh guaranteed and that's going to lead of course to consumer capabilities and everyone's going to want that data you know so um 
it's good. I'm glad they're, I'm glad uh, they're, they're figuring out what your choices are. They'll be uh, setting you up for sales in five years time. Rob, pretty much. Bye, 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 bye. In pretty much every other way, like search engine, browser, like everything else, like, and I very much believe in kind of the, you know, the line on privacy, but man, just get no money from Spotify. But like that, that has been one of the, cause just for a very long time, I, it was hard to discover music that I really like. And I'm surrendering a little, a little bit to the Borg to get my five star songs, I guess. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love the way you, you phrase that. Um, see we're on that area. We may as well keep going for a second here on, uh, uh, Coleman Hughes, uh, is a, uh, um, a young, young intellect that I listened to. And uh, he put me on to Ground News, uh, which is a website as well as an app that uh, has a really interesting way of going about uh, making you aware of what you're biased to and what you're getting for news. Um, and it lays out uh, through logarithms where this sits on the blue-red continuum and uh, also shows you who this would be best for and who's going to listen to this. And then it gives you like, if there's a story, for example, uh, what was the one this morning? Oh, uh, Biden receiving live vaccination or something. There was like, and I assume, oh, excuse me, I think it was Pence, maybe it was Biden, but it was like eight stories underneath it. And they all get ranked categorically based upon who put it out, what the language is. So it allows you basically to figure out uh, the most interesting thing, Robbie, is your blind spots. So it, it figures out over time your blind spots in what you are or not consuming in regards to your information. So anyways, a shout out to Ground News and their attempts at uh, at trying to get around that, uh, that whole area of a true open source concept of uh, news. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah we've got we've got two new sponsors. They don't, they don't know their sponsors, but yeah, they're sponsors. So. Yeah, that's how we roll. We, uh, we just have sponsors and they don't know their sponsors, but I mean, it doesn't matter. It'll be interesting to see at one point of ground news, like if they, if they start to evaluate other things besides other things besides news and how they would evaluate our podcast, like what, yes. what yes. spectrum of like, what, wait, <laughs> <laughs> it went this way and then, wait, what? <laughs> There's a gray. But there's a gray zone too. Like there's blue and blue on the left, on the left, right? Gray in the middle and then red. And it, it kind of like goes, it goes right to left relative to the story. So they probably, ours would probably break the screen. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they probably, they probably would cancel us because they're like, you can't be, you can't be all over the place. You can't ask questions here and ask questions here. <laughs> Can't be both in favor of fitness tyranny and fitness liberty. Like, wait, wait, which is which? What direction is it going? <laughs> Machine is just smoking. You know, we broke the algorithm. Uh, we broke ground news. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah. On to belief. Belief, yes. In fitness and fitness. Yeah, because we can't. You know, we can't put period after belief. We. Uh, we could be here all week. Correct. Correct. Yes. I mean, this, so many of our episodes could be potential two-parters and we'll, we'll see how this one goes, but man, this is, uh, there's a lot in here. 
Just a lot, yeah. of, a lot of good stuff yeah. in here. So just to situate it, situate it for people, um, you know, if this is your first one listening, welcome. Um, but if you've been listening for the past few, we've, we've been doing, we did a couple episodes on dogmatism and its relationship with fitness. And then we did one on skepticism and now we're turning to belief. So just to situate that, um, we've been saying the past few episodes just as a way of giving people context that, um, you know, again, Aristotle talks about virtue sitting as a mean in between two vices and when we talk about belief we could say that dogmatism is a vice of excess and skepticism is a vice of deficiency in the sense that skepticism you would hold off from believing things that you should believe you, you don't have enough belief in even things you should and dogmatism is uh, too much belief in things perhaps you shouldn't and proper belief would be uh, the virtue in between those two vices. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. One thing just to mention there that I'm not sure I mentioned the Aristotle or the virtue episode, but I think is worth bearing in mind. Um, one of the cool things about this metaphor, the seesaw metaphor of virtue being a, a mean between two extremes is the idea that this is one of the reasons why it's so hard to do the right thing or like to stay on track is that there's so many different ways to go wrong, both yeah, in yeah. the excess and the deficiency direction. Yeah. And like, the right is always a balance between the yeah. two. So yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I always add that uh, language of uh, when again the conversation around meaning to life. Whoa. YouTube video on JD Vance and Hillbilly Elegy just came up. Um, interesting. Um, I always add the uh, your language there of adjustments to to this uh all these right all these wrongs and where they sit um and that's what i think about anyways uh, you know you know there's always these adjustments that you have to make relative to each scenario on each context and each thing that comes in front of you um and i think that's what we're trying to do anyways is to arm people with this like see this across the across the board in multiple different ways yeah, because I mean, I think, you know, if, if one were looking for an explanation of like, why is life challenging? And why is it easier to do the wrong thing rather than the right thing? Like what, what, what facts could we use to explain that? Well, one would be there are many different ways to go wrong. And it's, it's hard to get that balance between the two. And so much of life is that balance between those two extremes. Yeah. yeah. So. so just as we've done with other things, I wanted to start off with a plain English definition of belief and then talk more about a philosophical definition. So a belief is a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing. You can believe in a person, believe in a thing, um, something that is accepted, considered to be true or held as an opinion. And then lastly, conviction of the truth of some statement or the reality of some being or phenomenon, especially one based on examination of evidence. This could be belief in germs, belief in God, belief in the quantum realm, you know, all those things at one point or another were like, hmm, are germs the vector of disease? you know we're not sure or is uh space malleable you know in mm. response to massive objects like you know it, it eventually came to be known through you know um sufficient evidence but it's those it's it's something that was initially believed without um sufficient justification mm -hmm. And then the philosophical definition belief is a propositional attitude so that that sounds maybe weird at first or people don't know what to make of that, but it, it, it's uh, a little bit easier to understand when you break it down. So what, what's a proposition? It's just a statement with a particular meaning. So take um, 
two different statements. Dogs have fur and los perros tienen pelaje, which is just the Spanish version of dogs have fur. Those two sentences in different languages have the same meaning. So that's a proposition. Um, an attitude towards that proposition would be, well, do I have confidence in that? Would I place a bet on that? Would I affirm that? Or would I deny that? And a lot of the talk around belief and philosophy um, that we'll get to, you know, is that degrees admit of, uh, or excuse me, beliefs admit of degrees. You can have more or less confidence in something. Mm -hmm. There's some things you might be willing to bet, you know, every dollar you have in savings in your home and all the rest of that stuff because you're so sure it's true. Yeah. And then there's other things, aliens existing, you know, maybe you're willing to bet $10. So you can believe those things, but to greater or lesser extents. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, I, I think about when you said, when I read that uh, propositional attitude, um, I def first thing came to mind was that that's definitely a philosoph philosopher's way of, of, of uh, defining something. <laughs> And then, and then secondly, uh, it is a higher order definition because uh, it takes into consideration uh, the experience uh, of the eyes and the eyes of the beholder as to how they see things. And then, i.e., what bets do you want to place on things? I, you know, how you see the continua that's there um, in front of you for what you wish to figure out, which I want to get to um, as a segue uh, over time to. Uh, um, the issue that we're going to deal with in fitness with a lack of experience. And then how do we get to this form of belief without a lot of experience? Right. So. Absolutely. Philosophers, if nothing else, are good at making distinctions. Sometimes that can be a good thing, you know, and sometimes it can be um, yeah. a little bit much, but yeah, the propositional attitude, there's a reason for it, but I, I, I agree with you. It's a, it, it makes something that seems, seems straightforward a little bit more, uh, uh, complicated yeah. might yeah. mm -hmm. so how do beliefs compare and contrast with different epistemological concepts and just a refresher on epistemological just means of or relating to belief knowledge justification just like how, how we get along cognitively with the world so take something like truth uh, a belief can be true or false um so truth you know um is going to be a feature of belief depending on whether the belief corresponds with the world or not. Um, justification, a belief can be justified or unjustified depending on the obje objective evidence marshaled in its favor. So just like truth, justification is a, is a uh, addition to belief. It's a, it's a, it's a add-on that levels it up. It's a superpower. It's like a Mario mushroom. It's like, okay, we got this belief here and now we got justification. Like it's a stronger belief. Uh, knowledge is built on beliefs. Beliefs are necessary for knowledge. You couldn't have knowledge without a belief, but it's not sufficient because you need both truth and justification additionally to make knowledge. Mm. Um, and then two that are related, but I think maybe just worth distinguishing would be an opinion or a guess. You know, and there are different ways we use these colloquially you know, a, a opinion or a guess, some, it's somewhat related, but it's more of a flyer. It's more of a, uh, I think this, I, I guess, a belief is something typically someone has a bit more uh, affirmatory oomph behind it. You know what I mean? Like it's something you would bet on or assent to. Again, they're related, um, 
but a belief is much more a, a wager that the proposition is true or false. And then faith is obviously related to belief, but faith usually is um, defined in one way or another as a belief, come what may. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've talked about the ways that can run into folly mm -hmm. and, and not be a good thing. But I did think one thing that would be interesting to discuss today, and, and we'll get to it later on, is, um, you know, is belief in something that goes beyond the evidence or even is potentially contrary to the evidence, um, you know, perhaps in the fitness realm with the way things are practiced today and what we believe we would want it to be in the future, can that be a good thing, right? Can, you know, we don't want to throw out all beliefs that go beyond the evidence or are, uh, you know, there's a difference between contrary to some evidence and contrary to all evidence, right? Yes. So like, are, are there beliefs that can extend beyond evidence and still be useful? Yeah. Um, I thought about, uh, you know, how you would help me classify uh, wisdom on the, on that uh, continuum beyond knowledge that gets people to, you know, could we say that it's really wisdom that should probably be the base support for claims of belief and not, not only knowledge plus justification and, uh, and, and uh, truth. Um, I was just thinking, you know, and in terms of languaging it, that, uh, you know, the wise person uh, may be able to create some, uh, you know, small language in, in which, you know, can become very believable. Whereas someone who has knowledge, you know, I still, still think that's a work in progress for, for, for the base support that they have to lay claim to something that people can believe in, if that makes sense. That's what I thought about anyways. Uh, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that. But. No, that's a great one. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I should have put that in there. Um, I mean, the, the way it's traditionally thought of knowledge versus wisdom is, you know, wisdom is the battle hardened, you know, practical experience out of the world. Uh, whereas knowledge you could glean from a book. Yes. So, um, you know, going back to Aristotle, he has this concept of, um, phronesis practical wisdom which is basically the the virtuous person is able to apply the virtues in the correct way only after a life well lived like you, yes. you can't have a kid who's virtuous just yet yeah um so yeah. I, I yeah i think there's a lot to that where in, in terms of the continuum of belief um wisdom would be maybe a set of beliefs that start out in a certain way and just get uh chiseled and carved out through experience uh, and come to be either discarded yeah. some beliefs or yeah. uh, that much more hardened uh, yeah. through through experience. Yeah, yeah, that's how I thought about it in like the wise person just says like five words, right? But that's a culmination of 10 million attempts at words, right? Of the books and experiences and et cetera, but they get to these five words that you when you listen to it, it's like, I believe that. <laughs> Right. And, and where does that come from, though? Like, what's the base support, you know, for wisdom that can get us to those points of belief? Just for us to think about as well for individuals looking to um, try to find a pathway towards what they should believe. Right. Um, we just indirectly talked about one of the one of the roads, I think, which is uh, gaining knowledge, gaining experience and then having this feedback loop over time to see how close you're bringing you to that one statement with five words, you know? 
Yeah, and I think one of the ideas there that that's interesting to ask is, you know, there are child prodigies of math, there are child prodigies of music. We, we've been talking about the Queen's Gambit. There's child prodigies of chess. Um, you know, you know, Doogie Howser and things like that. But are there certain things that don't admit of you being a child prodigy, like just having the knowledge, just having the book knowledge? Like, is virtue one of those things? Is fitness one of those things where you could read all the books you want and have the knowledge that, but not the knowledge how, not have yes. the wisdom? Yeah. So that's, yeah. 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 I was, uh, was going to get there with uh, the Santa Claus analogy for all of our adult listeners. Uh, <laughs> maybe we choose to go with dog fur instead, but. Uh, um, that we'll, we'll get there because uh, I want to I want to lean that into fitness knowledge and fitness wisdom um, as the exemplars of uh, shared information. You know who who we are, whether we like it or not. Um, and so, what does the fitness consumer? What should they believe, and where should that information come from? And what should be the characteristics and the life experience of the people that are sharing those uh, truths? <laughs> you know, um, so that's right. I'm glad you brought up the prodigy idea because uh, um, we're going to lean up against some uncomfortable areas of coaches being young in life and lived experiences that knowledge can't give them a great base support to help people believe in something it essentially has, they have to get to a wise person area before they can say something like I do, but it's only because of my experience that it's, you know, but it's the same message as the 21 year old was saying, it's just that I'm 47. So I was like, Oh, well, geez, you know, old wise one with no hair. Uh, you, you must, you must that must be true. <laughs> so I'll believe it. Um, if I may, before you continue too, just because I had, oh, different, I think we may we may get lost on it. Uh, well, will you will you decipher um, what what the what the word proper means in the middle zone of proper belief? Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, you know so why I'm asking that, right? You're smirking, so I think you know why I'm asking that. Well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in this particular reason, this particular uh, time I'm smirking because philosophers will very often put hand wavy terms in there to like distinguish something that needs to be like figured out. So really, uh, at least in English, in other languages, there may be a single word for this, but I, I couldn't think in English what a single word would be, whereas we have dogmatism on one end and skepticism on the other. Proper here is really just meant to signal that, um, if we're talking about a virtue, we're saying that one would believe things that there is sufficient evidence for, and one would refrain from believing things that there is insufficient evidence for. Okay. Uh, but again, that it's kind of hand wavy, like do no harm, because of course, what's harm? What's yeah. proper? So yeah. that, that's that's what I was okay. at. It, it's meant to give people an idea of what we'd be striving for. But again, the, yeah. the tough question becomes what exactly what we would believe there. Yeah. Not but it, yeah, but it doesn't impose an intentional bias towards one thing or the other, or that there should be a certain kind of belief. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, I mean, and it, it gets it gets fuzzy around the margins, of course, but I mean, we could obviously rat out, rattle off a couple, you know, right here. Um, it's... Don't kill someone. Right, don't kill someone. Uh, and I'm standing... 
on the earth right now. Do you know what I mean? Just, just, just things like that. And then as we get closer to different things, it might get more gray, but yeah. um, th those would be examples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we were going to talk about some unique features of beliefs, but I want, James, I wanted to just ask, were there any of these, you know, like I said, we could kind of jam and freestyle here. Were there any of these particular topics or features that you wanted to um, start with or interested you more than others? Or do you want me to just head through and we'll kind of jam as we go? Or what, what do you prefer? Uh, uh, let's head through and jam as we go. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So for these first couple things, these are just further features of beliefs that I want to mention. And then we're going to get uh, very shortly into some fitness connections. So like I mentioned before, beliefs are something that admit of degrees of greater or lesser extents. It's not binary. It's not zero or one. Knowledge, I'm sure some philosopher is going to have a counter argument to me and say, well, there are degrees of knowledge. Yeah, okay, okay. But um, generally speaking, knowledge tends to be less degree-based than belief. Belief is much more a matter of degrees and we can have more or less confidence in something. So it's, it's not binary the same way um, knowledge seems to be, where it's either knowledge of or don't have knowledge of. Mm -hmm. Another really interesting idea that um, goes back to one of our previous conversations is this notion of doxastic voluntarism, which again, another philosophical term, but really all it is is asking, can we choose what we believe? And the same way we asked in a previous episode, can we choose what we desire or we want? This leads to some really interesting philosophical implications. Like I can't choose to believe right now voluntarily this instant that the moon is made of cheese. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, we can't voluntarily choose to change our beliefs, which then leads to the question, how responsible are we for our beliefs? To what extent should we be praised or blamed? But it's also not true that beliefs just don't change at all, right? They're amenable to some things. So then the question in the middle there is like, what sorts of things change beliefs? Is it experiences? Is it uh, other people you interact with? Uh, clearly part of that is evidence, but but it's usually not just evidence. It's, you know, one's experience with the evidence and things like that. So just a little nugget there for people to think about, like, to what extent can you really change your beliefs? And what are the implications of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would ask folks to uh, uh, read uh, Kahneman's work, Thinking Fast and Slow, and understanding uh, also probably at a more, um, yeah, social science, neurocognitive uh, behavioral level um, around these deep underpinnings of how we make decisions and where they come from and how we're conditioned when we have these things in place and we put them into different areas that we can call upon for making decisions. And I think that that may uh, color your just points just made on um, how do we get to this, where do those embedded pieces come from that lead to our beliefs? And, uh, how, and how we get to that. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that area right there is extremely interesting, extremely interesting to me personally, anyways, um, because it, 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 it personally goes up against some of the things that I've been uh, mulling over for a decade and I will continue to do around free will um, and um, choices and, uh, and uh, where, where those things come from. And, uh, and, you know, uh, seeing, um, just because it was just, you know, uh, came up on my, up on my, uh, 
computer, um, the hillbilly elegy uh, background around, uh, you know, this embedded culture of poverty for, for generations, you know, and how you can look at that from the outside since like the, you know, late 1700s and go, you know, that, that kid, you know, uh, who landed in Jackson, Kentucky, I think, uh, who was JD Vance. Um, he didn't choose his parents, you know, and he has all these, you know, so you can imagine that one human, how based upon their environment and everything that's around them, you know, what choices did they have in how they see things and how they come to believe in things, right? And this is the greatest thing around the book and now the film is that it takes you through the, the big struggle in his head as to how he came to believe these things, you know, about himself and about his family and about drug dependency and addictions. And, you know, it, it, uh, it's fascinating. So anyways, I just wanted to make mention of that to say that I find it extremely interesting, that particular area of uh, what we would call the, the base support environment and where that comes from for belief, what it leads to. No, I think that's a great point. And I mean, belief is the fundamental epistemological unit with which we engage in the world. And so much of that comes from like before we turn seven, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. all these embedded things, depending on where we grew up and what our parents uh, believed. And obviously beliefs can come to change as they do in our lives, but beliefs are so profoundly um, important in how we go about anything. And we only have a very limited amount of control over how they can change and when they can change and like at what age they can change and what is necessary. It's not, as we'll talk about, like, it's not just enough to say like, here's the evidence, change your beliefs. Like if it were like, yeah. the world would be a lot nicer and easier, but it, it's, it's not. So it, it really is a profoundly important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 And of course I like the, the, the tone you just added there, which we'll get to of the, you know, uh, age and uh, age determining experience and age. Cause one of the questions I'll, I want to get to is based upon that and uh, what we'll call cognitive repertoire potential or cognitive potential for people. You know, one would argue as a biologist that you're probably need to get to this highest level of cognitive potential, um, before one could actually start making claims around possible beliefs. That's would be, that's what I would, you know, I would state based upon just biology alone, right? It's like, well, you don't actually have the pieces to lift a thousand pounds at age five. So why don't you wait till 25 and then attempt it? It's the same kind of ideas that there's these biological constraints of a lack of system support for you to actually have those really hard decisions, right? That's, I tie in the Santa Claus analogy there for the eight-year-old versus the 18-year-old and explaining belief to both of them, right? Um, so anyways, I, I look forward to that. But uh, I think this lengthy, you know, me jumping in here to discuss it, I'm, I'm saying it all for my own self-interest too, because it's a, it's of real interest to me, uh, that particular area, where do those things come from? And uh, should I add to it um, as a statement, uh, uh, for today, I think conversation around that particular thing uh, would certainly ease all this tension around diversity and uh, diversity of thought and diversity of, uh, of, uh, of belief. Um, I think if we were to accept, you know, this concept that, you know, at a certain age, 
you should have all these beliefs and uh and we should be empathetic to people that have lived this entire life of this existence in this environment it should make sense that they believe what they believe you know but but we don't want to have conversation on that you know so i think today that would be a, a really important one maybe us discussing in here today can be helpful for for some too yeah, absolutely. And we use the term, I mean, you know, we've used the term higher order many, many times in discussing things. And one thing you have to think about in the age equation as it relates to belief is it's one thing cognitively. I mean, think about all the beings that don't have belief, right? It's like an amazing cognitive achievement for even to, for us to have beliefs in general. Mm. And so like just cognitively, you know, as you come out as a kid, you can start you know, eventually to begin to have beliefs, but then it's a higher order thing, quite literally, to be able to have beliefs about beliefs, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to view a belief from a third person perspective, say, do I accept it? Do I reject it? And so much of our engagement with the world initially has, has is none of that reflection. Yeah. None of it. It's just mm -hmm. the beliefs come in, mm -hmm. kind of do them. And then, you know, when we get to be teenagers and want to rebel, then it's the higher order, like, I reflect, I have beliefs about my beliefs. Yeah, yeah. And your feedback system is really refined and efficient. Right. Right, that's the thing, that that's higher orders, i.e., you know, you're five and you're like, wow, that car is there, but that car is moving fast, right? At age 12, you're like, that car will kill me, you know? So at age five, you're like, I believe that's a car. <laughs> at age 12, you're like, I believe that car will kill me if I step in front of it, you know? like. There, those are, but you, see, you know, if we were to like to pull out on a Westworld screen, what that five-year-old was thinking and put it into language, it'd be like car, uh, car, you know, right. but it's the same fast moving car, you know, so, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, appreciate the, appreciate the, the time on that. Yeah, no problem. So I guess, I, I guess connected with this and the first one with kind of our fitness connection here is that beliefs are highly tied to the social realm and interpersonal interaction. Now let's go back to our descriptive normative dis distinction. I'm mm. saying what I just said as a descriptive claim. I'm saying what I just said as like a fact about how the world actually works. One might argue normatively the world should not work that way, but we know as a matter of fact, that is how the world does in fact work. So trust, confidence, and interpersonal relationships are crucially important, again, as a descriptive fact to what we believe. And, you know, there's the famous one that we've all run across. Uh, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, the idea that you believe in them, they believe in you. And of course, the fitness connection here, or at least one fitness connection, there could be many others, um, clients relating to clients, clients relating to the collective, but the obviously the coach-client relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You could You could know every single book fact possible on fitness or nutrition, but if you, you can't um, connect with your client or show them that you care or show them how this fits into their life and their values and things like that, something is, is deeply missed. So yeah, I guess we can, we can jam on that. And I'm sure there are many thoughts there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a few, let's stretch that one just out. <laughs> It's good. Our, our relationship is building enough where it's just like a twinkle in the eye and a little smirk that can tell like the whole thing now as to what's happening. Softballs just being thrown back and forth. Uh, I appreciate it, Robbie. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be lengthy on that, but the uh, I still just want to make mention of the current surrounding in fitness of 
uh, attention seeking and this lack of reality inside of people's perspective of fitness. You know, call it what you want, social media or the medium um, has really created this really weird idea of what is real. So you said the words trust, confidence, and interpersonal relationships. <laughs> like, if, if that's what it takes for people to get to some level of belief as to what re what is real in fitness, man, the base support of social media and the internet is not the place to play in order to uh, <clears throat> in order to create beliefs. So one of my you know, one of my uh, finishing questions that I want us to everyone to come away with here, um, I don't want to hit right now, but it ties into that because I just wanted to stretch it out because you asked is, uh, you know, wh what are the strategies that we could all get inspired to do that could close that gap between, um, you know, and maybe a different way than what we said already. But in this way of uh, partnering up with wanting to get people to believe something right? To, to believe in something, maybe take that route as opposed to what I've said before, which is like malaligned intentions. It's not going to lead to longevity, et cetera. Maybe we partner up with these things like trying to build trust, trying to build confidence, trying to build interpersonal relationships because it'll get them to the point of their clients believing in the way, you know, believing in a way what is best for them. And as we know, when they believe in it, it's self-efficacy, like, exemplified and uh, they're on their way. So um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that I left that short, but uh, there's lots in there. No, I think that's an excellent point. And that, that maybe highlighted something about the way I put it that um, could be amended. So when I listed trust, confidence and interpersonal relationships, that's maybe one could say that's, that's the ideal way one would perhaps um, have conversation with someone or develop beliefs but to that same point about, you know, beliefs being highly tied to the social realm and interpersonal interaction, there's the other direction mm -hmm. that can go, which is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a uh, white lady wearing Gymshark and, uh, you know, saying glutes and yep. biceps. Yep. That's the, you know what I mean? Which there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Instagram accounts that are doing that exact same thing. So it's just meant to highlight like the extent to which beliefs are so deeply shaped for both good and bad ways by what people see in other people, not necessarily by rational argumentation or knowledge or evidence or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that uh, coming to play in there of uh, just getting stuck in a little bubble and uh, everyone just talking about the same thing and building trust, confidence and relationships. Um, you know, yeah, I uh, not, not to, <laughs> not to pigeonhole that one, but that was my religious upbringing and that, you know, I saw that for many early years of my life and then uh, was very fortunate as a young teenager to start to get outside that little environment and to break all the confirmation biases, right. As to what is truth and what is, what's reality. Um, so that was a, that was a good awakening for me at a young age for that particular one. Yeah, and I, I personally had a, a similar type experience in a, in a different religious realm. And um, I think, you know, I think this is what can sometimes happen in, you know, sometimes there can be good elements to the tribal or the communal aspect, and sometimes it can yes. kind of become a, an echo chamber. Yes. And going back to our conversation about, you know, ages and um, 
when one develops reason, you know, philosophers talk about the age of reason mm -hmm. um, where you can, uh, again, become responsible for your beliefs in the sense that you can now bounce back and reflect upon what is given to you and say, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I like you, mom and dad. You're cool. Thank yeah. you for everything you did. But like, I'm not sure I agree with this, that, yeah. that, that, that thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful part of life, really, isn't it? Just think about that. The opportunity for uh, a little human that's or medium human, you know, to to actually have the capabilities in our skull for those things to arise as thoughts, you know, because you're you're cracking you're you're break you're cracking. It's like the, you're breaking through the Truman Show in a in a very extensive you know uh, crazy way of looking about it. But you're like, you know, you know the show is going on, and you're like, okay. You know, like in his finishing finishing scene, right? Um, I think he basically just went on with the show where he said something that was like, you know, see you next. I forget what it was, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just find that fascinating that we have the capabilities of doing that. And that's so, I mean, I know a lot of people view that as like threatening and maybe if I ever encounter that experience myself, I'm sure first person, you know, having someone or a kid question what you believe, you know, can be tough, but like that just, part of that seems so cool. I mean, that's how you get progress. That's how you get like change. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, it is good. I'm saying it with my girls now too, my young girls. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I guess along those same lines that definitely applies to the fitness realm that th this topic right here might be its own episode just right here. Cause it's such an interesting topic, but the idea is we can construct entire worlds out of belief that go beyond objective physical reality. And if people are looking for someone who's Who's written on this? Uh, there are multiple people, uh, but uh, John Searle, Mark Taylor. Um, the idea is that there's objective physical reality, which all animals and humans interact with. And then one of the things that's made humans able to do what they do is attach meaning and symbolism to things and then shared agreement on that. So like yeah. laws don't exist. Mm -hmm at any fundamental ontological, like universal level, money doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I always have to, I, I'm sure you've heard these folks before, the uh, the fiat currency folks, the fun folks are like, let's go back to the gold standard. Um, that's a fiat currency too. Like we're saying this thing has value. It's so hard. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Paper has no more intrinsic value than gold does. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. And now it's even now it's even more the case with uh, with symbols. Now it's not now it's not even oh, a physical yeah. anything. It's yeah, just, it's just symbols that we all agree to. Yeah. Um, so none of this stuff really even etiquette. Well, etiquette's an easy one, right? Etiquette doesn't really exist in any fundamental way aside from what humans agree on about them. So an interesting fitness connection to discuss many ones here would be you know score on the wad. You know your in body score beyond survival and reproduction. Correct movement. Mm -hmm. uh points wad so mm -hmm. yeah let's uh let's jam on that for a bit Thoughts yeah there? um well i don't know if i'll go into it in, in regards to the fitness one um i and I, I apologize we may have to repeat it again if we think it's uh deep enough that it's it's re requiring us jumping in and going there for a while but uh i immediately thought about uh why iron ore is not uh as valuable <laughs> if we can you know say that would really be helpful to my neck of the woods uh, there's a number of people that are barely surviving up in Northern Labrador because 
some people just decide that they, they want to make these things and it requires a certain amount of iron ore and based upon production and manufacturing, you know, is I, it would be beautiful actually if all of a sudden iron, I would put that up as iron ore being a little higher valuable value than gold. It would certainly change a whole lot of people that have had big influences in my, in my life uh, for, for, for their future at least. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't even know where to begin um, in regards to uh, the fitness aspect uh, for it. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, I think I think the point that is related to one we were talking about before in the social realm and interpersonal interaction is that, again, with all these things, there's a good and a bad element, right? So yeah. good element, like, well, I guess some, some anarchists and others could maybe argue that this is not a good element, but we're able to construct like a system of government and the rule of law and all these other things that make for a functioning society. Like, again, laws don't exist in any like yeah. fundamental universal way, but it's able to, through some sort of collective shared rational agreement, help us get on with things. And that can be somewhat useful in fitness too, but it can also go, as we've discussed, the nefarious way. You've created this world around, gosh, we got to find another punching bag, but you know, Fran and Annie and uh, the high intensity uh, wads and the workouts, the most intense. And I've got to mobilize these 18 different ways. And I've got to, you know, do a thruster at this way. I mean, just this world that gets constructed mm -hmm. um, that seems as though it has reality to it. It kind of, it, it pulls you towards it. That's, yeah. that's part of what initially um, draws people to it, but, you know, keeping in the back of your mind, like, this is a constructed system of shared beliefs and sometimes that can be a good thing but sometimes it can lead to folly and um misrepresentation of the truth yeah i think it's along the same track of the intentions prior you know conversation um that um it, it and previous to maybe 20 minutes ago i talked about reality versus fantasy um if that's where we're trying to pull from this to be like, well, why do people believe what they do believe inside of fitness? Um, we've kind of discussed it before. And it, but my, my point, I guess, just on the things you're just mentioning is that it should make sense to people. Like we, we have to, I think it's personally, I think it's probably less important to jam on, you know, what people believe and more around, you know, the, uh, the mingling of like, well, how did they get to believe that? That's, that's where I think there's like a spark for me anyways. It's like, cause when you discuss the, the base basics of that, like how they get to, then it's all like, Oh, it just makes sense. It makes sense that you think that thrusters every Thursday in class will help you live longer. It's like, and, and I, I really, I'm too exhausted to talk about trying to change people's beliefs on that particular thing, you know, and I've been further and further backing up to be like, how did this, how did this come into picture? Um, and, you know, just to, and I don't mind being using it as a punching bag <laughs> in, uh, cause I, well, I was that person that listened to that doctrine in the two thousands, right? It was, it was like, it hit you right at the right spot, right time, you know, information sharing is going up and this is the way and all that shit is useless. And you're just like, yeah, you know, so we, I immediately jumped to belief, right? So I got to ask of myself, like what set the, what set the stage 
for me to jump into that belief, right? What set the stage? Also, what set the stage for you to stop believing, James, after five years? That's the more important question, right? That's the more important question. Um, not more important, but uh, also one I think is very important. So, you know, um, I think of Jung, you know, because you mentioned it in terms of myths and, and basically getting all these things together for a storyline. I use that to kind of come up with what just makes sense as to why people believe what they believe today. Um, if you don't know, that's the system support I use in my brain. It just helps me, you know, knowing there's a, uh, there's a place for this animal, you know, sense of how we started with that belief and where that came from. And then like a theological mythical, you know, story, you know, in terms of belief. And then it, and then the, the machine, the machines and, and uh, that age, and now like this uh, postmodern subjective realism place of modernity, you know, that's how I like order, you know, how people come to believe what they do believe. It's just like, oh, that makes sense. You know, here's all your experiences. This is what you went through. This is what you don't even know that you have in your brain that leads you to believe something, you know, or this is your, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I like spending time there, you know, for uh, the fitness story, especially, uh, because um, if we're not aware of it, um, it's very easy, just so we don't feel like we've been discussing it for, you know, 30 weeks in a row now, but it's, it's, it should make sense to us that people believe a certain thing in fitness, right? It should make sense to us. Um, you know, it's entertaining. It's, uh, you, you won't be left out. Um, it's a uh, research driven, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'll stop. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that is the interesting question, but I, I, I think it's an interesting question. Like why, I mean, we can even go to the, yeah, let's go to the CrossFit case. Like why was that the one that took hold? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause for a long time. Timing. Yeah. That it, right. So there, there's a, there's a big part of that. I think perhaps for you and audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you had a lot of these entrenched, you know, globo gyms, you had the entrenched aerobic stuff and like Greg Glassman certainly isn't a Greek God who was on, you know, on Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, and yet, you know, the birth of the internet, people looking for more communal aspects in fitness. Um, I, I think you're right with timing. I think the, you know, we go through cycles where we reject what comes in the past, whether it's true or not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the bodybuilding and the running stuff, like we've been doing that for so long. Let's just, let's get rid of it. Um, but it's interesting how that came to be so ascendant when it was such a, in a lot of ways, fringe movement without any of the booty stuff or, you know what I mean? Like it eventually came to have that, but it didn't well, initially. Yeah. I'd, I'd argue that it wasn't, uh, you know, something missing communally, community wise. Right. But, but your commentary is an example of also what my beliefs were at the time, right? When you're injected with a language and it's repeated over and over the same way, you start believing in something, right? Without you thinking about what you're saying. Why are we doing this? It's community driven. Where did that come from? You know where that came from? Doctrine. But why? Because they wanted to, and this is like, Robbie, this is what happens today, especially politically, right? If you want people to believe in something, what do you do, right? You split ideology, Right. You got to go. You got to go non-conventional, 
something that's like, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to be bipolar in that approach, right? You got to have an identity on what you believe, right? And so if it's something, if we're just doing what seemingly at the time to some people were like, we're just doing this useless fucking machine work and aerobic stuff on treadmills, right? And you propose that as the starting point to your message. And then you go, but there's this, you know, it's like, it should be pretty obvious why that will be hook, line and sinker, right? It should be obvious, right? Um, because of the language that's used inside of it um, with repetition and cult-like perspectives that you, you don't even know what you believe anymore. You know, it's just like, well, what do you believe? Well, I believe in dot, 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 and it's, it's written <laughs> from the journal, right? It's like everyone repeats the same way, right? What's the answer to progression? Just scale and just add more load and just vary, you know, it's like, but, but that's not right. <laughs> but, but that's the answer, right? So you believe then that progression in fitness is not individualized. Oh, no, 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 I didn't say that. You know, this is like, you can't get a, you can't get a centering on it. Um, so I think it, uh, it was like perfect timing uh, to answer your question, in my opinion, perfect timing. It was a, uh, a determined uh, method and strategic approach at the right people. It was with the intentions of hitting a certain audience, right? And how do you hit that certain audience? You have an unconventional thoughts, right? You, you say, they're over there. And we got to fight the system, right? Yeah, they're impeding on all of our future possibilities in fitness progression, right? It's a, it's, a, I laugh because, dude, I, I was ready to burn books, <laughs> burn ANSCA manuals, you know? So when you, when you get in it, it's almost like I'm coming out of a cult, you know? I, I need to talk about it on the other side of like how you can fall prey to that belief. Um, and sorry for taking up so much energy and time on that particular thing around it, but it was personal to me because I could speak on both sides of it, the, how, you, how you fall into this one belief way. And I just only had at the time, I won't lie, like just little aspects of, of, uh, of this open-mindedness. I did, it was little, but uh, you know, it, whew, man, it, once I started like um, just asking some questions and observing what was going on, you know, the truth becomes, uh, truth comes out. Yeah. And I think part of the way, I mean, you were talking earlier about like what you feel like it grabbed in you. And I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I suspect for both you and me and probably for others, part of what got grabbed that was a semi-virtuous thing potentially like, yeah questioning assumptions like that that is that is something they did like you know the idea that um i forget the name of the guy on outsider magazine or whoever it was the guy you know who uh the, the guy who they were saying like fittest man on earth and then Mark they were Elf. saying okay so you know they were saying well is this really the fittest guy on earth well what about this this and this like that that did initially get me like the philosophical kind of assumption questioning wow there's a whole lot more to to think about besides this but then you're right it tended to calcify and be dogmatic. And then this is the only way. And you don't need volume for endurance. What, what's that all about? <laughs> just, just did a rule work. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's interesting that that progression there, but I think they, they caught people who both wanted to question things who, you know, kind of like the, the matrix wanted to see, you know, the, the yeah. evil machines versus yeah. the, the rebels. Yeah. And then uh, were proselytizers about it too, for people who, you know, once they drank the Kool-Aid would, would spread the word. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm saying. Like you go for the right audience, you know, you go for a, an audience that is at the right time. Uh, you speak the right language, you say the right things. Um, you can get a, you can get a steamrolled approach, you know? Um, and, and my personal belief, it was all intentionally aligned that way. Um, I think it's just, just like perfect timing and, uh, and precise, you know, precise in the, in the language. And, and then just ended up just being pile on top of pile on top of pile on of, uh, of a whole bunch of untruths, you know, and, and what happens to a system when you pile on a whole bunch of untruths, you know, over time, you get, you get a lot of adversity and you get uh, a lot of problems in the system and the system can't last uh, for uh, decades. Um, just like any human, that starts lying, it'll, it'll, it comes back, you know, you got to pile it on and you got to create multiple things to allow all those things to work. You know what I mean? And then after six years, you're just exhausted and burnt, you know, um, same thing in all systems. It just happens that way. Yeah. That makes sense. One thing it, that made me um, think of that I hadn't previously thought of that I was having a discussion with someone about the other day is, um, sometimes in like functional health realms, when you're talking about the, um, the speed at which things can change, you know, genetics takes a very long time, like the, the pure genetic code, yeah. like the, the straight up genetic code takes a long time to change yeah. epigenetics, much shorter time frame, microbiome, much quicker mm -hmm. bacteria can exchange DNA. And then perhaps the fastest belief. Yes. And that can be, that can be good and bad. Right. So we can actually get progress in humanity irrespective of changes in genetic code irrespective of changes in epigenetics irrespective of changes in the microbiome super quickly but that can go in good directions and yeah. bad directions that we're yes. talking about yeah man that's the yeah that's the exciting stuff to discuss uh, on uh you know what what can we do that uh that that safely allows people to just open their eyes to a new perspective, you know, knowing what we just said. So just, just let's propose that that's true, um, that beliefs can be changed in an instant. Um, and of course that requires context and lots of conversation, but then that's what we all need to do as fitness coaches is to provide this space and opportunity to have conversations to say, let's reframe what you believe to be reality and let's see if it changes your perception a tiny bit. And like you and I know, indirectly, maybe you don't even know, but we have said something to someone that has immediately changed their belief. Immediately, right? Now, we need to go, now, how is that possible? And I don't think we do that enough, right? Because we're like, oh, no big deal. I just changed their belief. And it. it's like, think about what you just did, right? you somehow heard that information come in this way and was like, I need to like, I need you to ask this question of yourself, right? Have you thought about it this way? And you can just see their whole 
life just changing as you change the question, right? So you're changing their perceptions within second just because you refrain things. So that's the job as a coach, right? That's what we should get excited about. That's the, that's the, that's the chocolate milk in this conversation, Robbie is like, that's the good stuff, you know, um, is, is the, you know, forget about even the concept of changing and, and forget about, you know, malaligned intentions. forget about the market is like, what can each of us do in those instances to, you know, reframe something? Um, and man, take multiple hits at it. I just listened to Sam Harris talk about one of his former mentors who he said was a, a metaphorical magic maestro, metaphorical maestro, but his, his former, um, mentor used to provide so many, like five different metaphors that you, you like, you got it so good on the topic he was discussing because of those five metaphors. It just, it like stuck in you, you know? So that's what we need to do as coaches is like try to come up with our abilities to, to go at, go at it in different ways to, to reframe the problem, to change perception, to possibly change a belief in something. Yeah, I, th I think that's right on. And I think it brings up an important point, which is we've got to figure out how to frame it and how to have the discussion with people specifically about it, it's very hard it's very easy to change beliefs when it is something you want to believe right yeah this is the whole yes know, instagram thing mm -hmm. and so like that's easy that, that that's not that's not a hard problem like you can do that easily with marketing and you know uh certain outfits and driving cars and all the rest of that stuff the tricky part you know going back to your point about we've helped someone realize it's something that they don't want to believe uh or realize uh that they should be changing something that they believe is how do you get someone to believe something that goes against what they want to believe? Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of what we yeah. are discussing in this arena yeah. is stuff that you wouldn't initially want to believe. You'd want to yeah. believe something different. Yeah. So how, you know, how yeah. do we frame it in such a way that it's not like, you know, yeah. you believe something stupid, go change that, but you know, different metaphors or different ways yeah. of talking about it that shift that perspective. Yeah. Well, you, you handhold them through part two of the reframing. So reframe the problem and you get this little sense that they're now questioning the belief, right? And then now you say, uh, are you open to the possibility that what you believe could, could, could change? So you, you got to ask that question and you can ask it Robbie in multiple different ways, the way I just framed it, you don't need to say it that way, but we have to get to that. I would call that part two after you would like open up the, you're like, woohoo, you know, there's, there's five options here and they're like, oh my God, I know those options. Um, and then, and then you're like, what do you think about, you know, and you got to lend a hand. That's what I mean. You got to lend a hand and hold hands here, not hold hands, metaphorically hold hands, but or I am saying metaphorically hold hands. Cause I mean, gosh, you don't want to hold hands today. Right. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's see what your thoughts are on, uh, you know, having the conversation around, you know, three times a week, 50 weeks a year for 60 years being a really awesome, like audacious goal for fitness. You know, I just try to bring in some real life right, yeah. example of that. Right. As opposed to like, Listen, I'm just here for 16 weeks prior to the wedding. <laughs> you know? Right. 
<laughs> yeah. And maybe the topic you're talking about is, you know, their intentions of fitness and why they're doing anything. And is this, you know, by you losing 10 pounds prior to wearing a dress, is that really beneficial for what you're, what you know to be true in terms of like how fitness fits in for your health, et cetera. Right. And how many aspects of those conversation, you know, are in our control, like the time in a person's life, um, yes. their age, yes. just dispositionally the person, the way the person is. Yes. I mean, I was saying to Brandon the other day, there's something about this community where like, you know, oh, coaches may not be necessary in the future. Or like, we don't really need warmups. We're like, we're excited to hear, but it's also like, shit, that's kind of a dagger, you know, like it, it kind of hurts, but there's, there's a certain type of, um, person or personality that like wants to know that stuff is, you know what I mean? Like gets excited yeah. by that stuff. And then there's yeah. certain folks that are like, no, 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 no. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's up to us to do our work. You know, that's yeah. when you put the coach shirt on, like, uh, you gotta, you gotta, that's a burden, you know, let's call it what it is. It's a burden that you're just going to have to do the work, uh, and do more work and, and, um, and be, you know, become more knowledgeable on it and keep, continue to ask really hard questions. Um, and, uh, and I think if you go through that, that practice of the reframing and then offering different solutions for people, when you do that multiple times, you're just going to build you're going to build this really good language and ammunition so that, that won't be as problematic or challenging to you over time, Robbie, or any coach when they get to those, those challenging pieces. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, gosh. Yeah. There's a lot in there. And that gets back to a point we've made before with respect to like dogmatism and skepticism and the idea of neuroses is that yeah. it isn't sufficient generally speaking, aside from maybe a few things, like you teach someone how to change the tire, you don't need to show them how to change the tire again. You teach the kid not to put its hand on the flame. It's not going to put its hand on the flame again, generally speaking. There's a whole slew of those things like that. But then there's a whole slew of things which are not like that. And a lot of our fundamental beliefs fall in that category where it takes repeated, you know, yes. examples. It takes repeated metaphors. It takes repeated conversations. It's not just enough to slide the thing across the table and say, yeah. hey, you're wrong. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to partner that up right now at this point in time with the uh, um, experience uh, problem that I'm dealing with, you know, how much experience does it take? Um, just assuming that there's a lot of good experiences uh, for people to become wise and for them to be exemplars for saying something or sharing information that people can believe in. Um, or I'm just trying to take the, the, you know, I'm asking a question here, Robbie, your thoughts on that is, you know, the, you know, and I put it into just age, age areas, right? Like I talked about it earlier, about the Santa Claus example, or, you know, 25 and 25 to 30. And, you know, let's call it, if you're, if you're thinking material, um, uh, in the physical realm, prefrontal cortex maximizing, you know, okay. It, it, you know, 25 to 30 years of age, let's just say, uh, and if that's the base support uh, that we know, and it's basically there's lots of evidence to show that is the case, there's the base support uh, for those, uh, you know, beliefs and perceptions and thoughts, emotions, and, and uh, how that leads into actions, then doesn't that person at 25 need to have like 
a ridiculous number of experience after they be, they get build up that repertoire to get yeah. to the point where they can say something like, I, I believe, you know, I believe in, I believe in that, or I, you know, I think you should believe in this, or this is what my beliefs are. You know what I'm saying? And, and try to, if you, if you can, anything that comes in your mind for uh, trying to connect at the fitness, that would be helpful. Um, which is a similar problem, as I mentioned, mentioned before, we're always dealing with, right? Like that indirect, you know, idea that you've really got to be like 40 plus to have enough like life experience to actually have the, the emotional technical components to help people. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, yeah, just yeah. Thoughts on um, yeah. And I mean, I, I think one thing that's interesting is, you know, we always take the historical perspective, it's going to change that history, right? So in the sense of, I don't know the exact age, but in medieval times, I would assume, you know, your apprenticeship begins like 13, 14, and then like 25, 30, man, you are, you know, maybe not your, you know, and you only have a certain lifespan, um, you know, maybe at 25, 30, that's the equivalent of what we're calling 40 now. And it, it changes, but just based on the nature of like, um, when we become adults and adopt professions and become apprentices these days, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there really seems like there's good evidence to suggest that somewhere around 40 or something like that is, we would need to distinguish between a necessary condition versus a sufficient condition. Yes. yes. Right. So we could say like, okay. how much is necessary? Yeah. So you might say, well, you know, 20 years in it is necessary, but just because you're in it for 20 years doesn't mean yeah. It's, enough, it's enough or that you're the right person. Yeah. Um, so that's a good question there. And then I think it's, I had a discussion the other day, someone was asking like, how did it ever come about that, you know, the presidency has a minimum age requirement of 35, mm -hmm. just like out of thin yes. air. There's, yes. there's a reason, there's yeah. a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, your previous question, I, ha I did indirectly have an answer to it. I don't know if I can language it, but it would, it would be within the conversation, what we're defining as, uh, success in the relationship. So, you know, sufficient would be uh, that which would allow the person under what we call, you know, reaching physical sovereignty or, or autonomy over time. So whatever sufficiently sufficient would be whatever got that person to work with any individual that came in front of them and to quickly get them up to speed on being autonomous. So that's how I would define you know, what would be sufficient versus um, uh, not enough, if that if that's somewhat helpful. Just in my thoughts on what that would be for sufficient enough to be able to have that base support of saying, this is what we should believe, you know, this is what I believe. And then everyone is looking to that person like, okay, um, I'm just like uh, going for it, you know, I'm going for it. I'm not gonna ask a lot of questions. I have true belief. Um, and I believe it's the way and, uh, you know, damn it, we'll, we'll figure it. And if, and if at the end of the days, you know, it, it, uh, um, it wasn't, wasn't worthwhile, then, Hey, you know, jokes on me, but I, I, I think based on what they're saying and how they say it, I believe in that, you know, that's the, um, you know, where the thing where I think belief ties into this that I thought was fairly interesting was, um, um, you know, our conversation on uh, max physical potential and how, how do we ever get to the point, Robbie, that 
you know, pe people will believe that they have these things inside of them that they're capable of expressing. Um, and let's just put it into two buckets of patterns for resistance and sustainable activity. Um, and they can do that like day on day off for the rest of their life under what we would call, like, we get more strict with it, like absolute strength and, and, uh, you know, pacing and learning gears, et cetera. Right. Um, how do we ever get to a majority audience believing in that, that that's the way, how do you create belief in that when we have very few people participating in that? We have a lot of information shared that would say that's not as exciting, you know. So in 2020, what's your thoughts on uh, moving people to a belief in, uh, uh, let's call it, um, I want to call it something really snazzy, like uh, the, the OPEX way. I think you laid out a blueprint earlier. You got to create an enemy kind of an enemy, you gotta have a, a, a journal, a dogmatic set of beliefs. You gotta cast out anyone who doesn't believe those things and then uh, get a Reebok sponsorship and you've got yourself a- Touche, touche. No, I mean, I, no, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, part of me always wonders, like I, I think uh, one thing I've always, uh, liked from I mean there are many many things I like from Rob Wolf but one of the things he's always said that I've identified with is I'm not trying I'm not here to convince people who don't want to be convinced like there's always going to be some folks who just it, you know what I mean there's there's yeah. nothing you can do yeah. um but I, th I think your question really bears on like how do, how do we how do we get to the people who either don't know and are open to it yeah. um I don't know I I, I, I think it's I think in some ways it's going to mirror the method itself. It's going to be gradual, sustainable progress you yeah. know, over, yeah. over time. And I mean, the movement has grown. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is growing and um, it's always going to, just like with philosophy, it's always going to have to contend with sophistry. It's always going to have to contend with, um, you know, the cool new thing, but it's, it's making progress. Yeah. But it's not going to happen in the next year or two years, I don't think. I don't like your answer, um, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. Um, yeah, and not to spend more time on that one, but uh, yeah, that's given me at least some things to think about. Or just me voicing the question is certainly helpful. Um, just from, you know, through my lens, what do I wake up looking to do, and what do we want to do with OPEX? And and uh, I just, you know, I just thought I'd sneak in that. You know, is there a way of, uh, you know, indirectly, which I'm falling prey to the fast track concept myself by even asking that question. But um, is there is there a quicker way of getting there? You know, uh, you know the um, meaning because this is you know I know the hard way leads to wisdom and uh, etc. But um, yeah, it'd be really easy if people just came in believing in the OPEX way. <laughs> And they might. I mean, it, it, it might become more and more prominent as time goes on. And um, as we were talking about it, I was just thinking of something that I that I put in here that I think is relevant, which is we were talking at about the rapidity with which beliefs can spread throughout um, a culture and a society. But on the flip side of that, 
it's that much harder to change beliefs of like the fitness collective. So, so it's just, you know, this stuff is, it's recalcitrant. Yeah. You know, right now we're dealing with the uh, tail end of the orange theory and boot camp and CrossFit world. And that was 20 years. And that, that in some ways does provide hope. I mean, literally 20 or so years ago, that was a blip. That was the fringe. That was nothing. Yeah. Um, And then it changed. Um, So there's hope. I'm not sure how quickly it'll happen, but there's hope. <laughs> or inception for everyone. Let's hey. let's go do inception. Yes. Yes. And we'll put a little uh air runner and a little uh a little J Fitz Rock 3000 in, in that little safe at the end. And they'll wake up and they'll be like, sustainable <laughs> activity and lifting a rock. <laughs> Two hours, two hours steady state running. <laughs> uh, that's what'll get you there. That's what I believe. Out. <laughs> oh, good times. We have to travel four dream levels down and almost die. And uh, yeah, to get people to believe it. Yeah. If you make it, yeah. If you make it, then uh, you deserve to continue. So one of the belief question I wanted to ask you, I know you and I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think both of us dispositionally are uh, more on the fence of like, eh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, you know, beliefs, you got, you, ideally you should have some evidence behind it. But I was, I was wondering the extent to which you think, obviously there can be bad fitness examples in general, bad examples of like belief going beyond the evidence yeah. Can lead to delusion and things like that but uh part of me wonders can there be a, a positive aspect to this where you know you know your belief in the fitness future in the face of kind of the way the fitness realm is today or what we want for ourselves or for our clients is there a way in which belief can go beyond knowledge or evidence to be a motivating source of like hope for the future and you know, not necessarily be nefarious or delusional in the way in which, does that make sense? Does that question? Uh, I think so. I think so. Um, and I, I, maybe I think I'm going to probably answer it the same way as just our previous thread here. So, um, that I think it's, uh, I guess it comes from your, your individual constitution on, you know, just how you're seeing things. So for me, um, I think, I'm probably not the person to provide pats on the back and hope and like, you know, the positive language around, you know, what, what's to come and where we can point our arrows. I think my time here is, is, uh, is probably more well suited as the skeptic and the, uh, and the person to challenge thought, you know, um, so I probably can't even answer your question because it's probably not, it's not, it just doesn't feel right for me to, to uh, say that it, it, there, is, there is a possible space there or there's not because I, I don't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, it doesn't even feel like it's my place to do that. Um, I, I think that maybe through, uh, you know, but as I'm ready to say it, I don't even believe in that. <laughs> I think maybe through experience over time, like the iterations of this entire fitness experience it may lead to some evidence of like what people should do but i'm really 
really skeptical of that um, based upon just how things have looked for 20 years. Um, you know, and if, if I'm defining impact as like, you know, 95% uh, of all 8 billion humans, well, 10 billion in, in a while, 95% of 10 billion humans, when they come out of the womb and they go into this environment, they're like, wow, you know, physical expression um, is just important as breakfast as a part of my lifestyle, you know? And so, you know, that's what I think about is like how to get there and how, how to get there while I'm here in reality. That's what I think about. So, so I'm like, well, what are the pieces and what are my place? What have, what have I been selected <laughs> to, to be here to do? And my feeling is it's, it's like to challenge, challenge notion and belief and to make people be critical thinkers um, and maybe not provide solutions of hope and not provide, not be the person who provides those things. So uh, that, that's just where I thought about as soon as you asked the question. So. No, and I mean, that, that actually, that, that gets to what I was asking, but it reframes it in a different way. So like, I guess to reframe the question in terms of what you just said, why is it that you do what you do or I do what I do or Brandon yeah. does what he does in the face of like the markets, in the face of like overwhelming evidence to the contrary of like Mirror and Peloton and all, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, clearly belief is driving some of that. Yeah. I and mean, it's, it's going beyond the evidence and it's, sure. it's, it's motivating us. So yeah. there's a certain power and element there that like, isn't, well, maybe it's delusion. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's driving in this critical thinking and skeptical. Do you know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? For sure. Yeah. I believe people should, uh, um, I'm just using words that I've heard, but people should live an examined life. Um, I believe that uh, people should search for meaning in life. Um, and to my, you know, what my actions are, what I do every day, you know, I get meaning out of that. Like, I feel like I'm improving as a human by doing those things. You know, I'm challenging my, my, uh, cognitive capabilities. I'm challenging myself physically. Um, and I'm like, I'm inside of fitness and that's what I do. Um, and why do I do that? It's because I believe that I'm finding meaning through those practices. Yeah, that's what I, um, and I'm, you know, as I'm aging, I'm standing firmer on ground when I make those statements, right? Like I really do get meaning out of wearing this sweater and doing, doing this, like, you know, I do, I, I go home and I feel like, wow, you know, I'm really fortunate to be able to be able to do those things, you know? And so I believe people should have the opportunity or do that. <laughs> now, humorously, almost feels like a Monty Python episode we can turn that into is um, what else are you doing? <laughs> like there's, there's so much, there's so much We're you know, there's so many things we can be diverted away from today. Um, and it's really not a lot of it. And if you don't look, just look around, look at the news and look at what's going on today. You could see like, there's a lot of restless minds 
there's not a lot of really meaningful things to do. And I'm, I'm just saying on the back end of what I believe is important. I think like challenging the notion of making people think about what they're capable of expressing physically for their lifetime and how that leads to great thoughts and a really great experienced life. I think that's kind of important, you know, in my belief. So that's my belief, you know, Agreed. And I, th I think the power behind that is, you know, how meaningful it is to you, how motivating it is, how it's led to the development of a movement. And one other thing I had written in here that I think is relevant is take any famous virtue or idea that we value right now, autonomy, virtue, liberty, truth, democracy. It all started with a shit ton of stuff going against that, like a shit ton of stuff, like just piling on where, you know, you basically couldn't even breathe to get the idea out. And then through that little, you know, spark, you know, it eventually got a few more people and then a few other people and then a few other people. Now there's lots of other things in the dustbin of history that didn't quite make it. But I guess what I was trying to highlight with that question that I think you highlighted very well with your answer is that, you know, through belief, you can share these things and change perspectives and, um, help shift the culture because again, for every single valuable thing that we consider worthwhile today, any ideal today, um, it started as a little kernel that, you know, society was not that way. So <laughs> society did not encourage autonomy. It did not encourage the search for truth. It did not encourage justice. It did not encourage democracy or liberty. So um, I think it can change and I think belief can be a powerful agent of change. Um, and I think, yeah, the answer you gave kind of highlighted that. Awesome, great. Yeah. Yeah, then I agree. I think it can be <laughs> if we frame it that way, for sure. And I appreciate you uh, doing a switcheroo on me on that because uh, you reframed it in a way that made me understand it better. So thank you. All right. Uh, what do you think there for today? You want to? Uh, let me see here. I, I think I have another question for you. Um, yeah. Is there is there any room for having the discussion on understanding? Like uh, maybe it's going back to what I said of just trying to make sense of things like why people think the way they do and believe what they do. But um, I had down here, are there any like, uh, like I guess current to today, like are there things that are going on in 2020 culturally that would, that would make sense of why people believe what they believe in fitness? You know, like how information is shared and how people like live a life today, you know, current education during COVID times, you know, like, anyways, I just, I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on that, on the current, like 2020 experience, right? Like what, what, what this living is like right now. And I don't know if there's any interesting parallels of how, and the way I think about it, Robbie was like, how do you get someone to a level of belief in what fitness can do for them in 1985 versus how you can get someone to a level of belief, what fitness can do for them in 2020 and what are the differences, you know, which are there and real uh, culturally that could 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, the easy answer, of course, is the internet is specific, specific, very specific. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, sure. Instagram, though, uh, like yes. especially in the past 10 years, the, you know, visual pictures about what bodies should look like and videos about yes. movements. I mean, it, it's deeply intertwined. I mean, I think if you think back to, you know, 1980 to 2000 and, uh, TV shows about, you know, people running or bodybuilder magazine and runner magazine, like the yeah. mediums of communication, I think are deeply intertwined with what people believe about what is, what is healthy and what is not. And today, so much of that is the internet, the digital yeah. delivery of all these different things. And that's mm -hmm. having a huge impact on what people believe. I think both of us would agree mostly for the negative, yeah. but could potentially go in the other direction. But I think that's, yeah. In Instagram in particular, yeah. the past 10 years, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that uh, it, it more so will go in the negative direction for two reasons. Number one, data is showing that with select audiences that can't get out of that. And number two, it's just such a vet, like there used to be like three running magazines in 1988. Um, but you know, I'm saying there's like 12,000 iterations of that vision of that runner today. Yeah. So it's like so many options it almost confuses so i think in your point i guess that's if that's what you're mentioning i agree with you that because it's so much it may actually bring people to the margins to figure out like what is what is normal like what is <laughs> what is the way you know because there's so many options they're just like ah you know <laughs> yeah I mean, in particular, the influencer. I mean, th there might have been proto versions, you know, in the past with like a Schwarzenegger or something like that. But like the influencer as such did not exist until roughly eight to 10 years ago. And now, like, if you use the fitness hashtag, yeah, I mean, it's 44 million or so something insane. And right. a, a lot of it is just people who wear Gymshark or yeah. whatever and they're doing yeah. basic yeah. stuff. And they don't know anything about fitness. And yeah that that that's yeah. a huge yeah and i think i'm just asking the question because it's a uh, it's one that i continue to to uh struggle with um on how to you know um you know in my near vicinity right my wife and my children and 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 our communication as to what fitness means to them and then to my staff and people who are close to me you know what fitness means to them and then to our ccp coaches right and what fitness means to them. And I'm always trying to stay, you know, uh, current in terms of like, well, how is everyone out there outside of that group? How do they see fitness? Cause we don't see what they see. You know, if, if we don't understand, uh, you know, how they're seeing things, you know, and I think you answered the question is the internet being the one of the main things we're never going to be able to really, get them to a point of them coming to a belief in fitness, just a belief in fitness, right? Um, as being something really positive. Um, and so that's why I just ask is like, you know, the current, the current social setting in the current environment we're in and how that may cloud, um, but also leave a path for people to discuss, you know, what they, what they want to believe in fitness or, uh, how it can help them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that video you did with Carl and Georgia the other day is actually a good example. It's like, it's reaching people through Instagram. It's discussing a deep topic of like, should there be a warm up? but it starts with the little, like, Oh, we're all mobilizing. Look at all the fit. You know what I mean? It starts with that little, 
nugget that kind of like grabs people's attention uh, that you kind of have to do in this space to like, oh, why am I mobilizing? Why am I doing the foam roller? Um, but then you can use that as a way to like say, well, let's get to this deeper conversation. Because if you hit them with a deep conversation to begin with, they're going to be like, yeah, ah, yeah scroll, yeah, scroll, yeah. scroll. Yeah. But if you hit them with that little. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't organize that. I'm not, that's not my. I, I, I know, but I guess it's. I'm it's hard enough it's, to put that together. It's an, it's an example of something of like, how do you, how do you get people to these conversations around truth through these mediums that like aren't yeah. going away Yes. and how people are getting fitness information? How do you get that discussion going? So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. We talked about the age thing or we, you know, hit on that a little bit. And I think that's probably up for uh, your good points on, um, you know, what's sufficient and what's not enough, et cetera, for, for that age category. And I added to that in terms of defining what's your definition of success. We always come back to the autonomy thing at large numbers of people for it. Um, so I just want to make mention of that again, of this, this experience that for a fitness coach, we still have to keep honoring that that has to be in place in order for you to get to a point for you to even believe in something believe in a way or believe in, in, in something that you can start speaking about and then get a big following uh, of individuals who want to do that for themselves also. You know, I think it just takes a lot of experience. And so I'm just mentioning it that we discussed it, but just as almost like a recap of things to, to uh, believe. And I want to just make mention again, I find that extremely interesting is <laughs> the things that get people uh, from a base support you know, what gets them to a point to, to allow them to believe what they believe. I find that extremely interesting. Um, there's so much inside of there that I think maybe uh, off, I will leave this conversation with, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'll leave this conversation with, because I think going there may help us become more empathetic and also allow us to make more sense of why people think the way they do uh, about fitness and where it fits in for them. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. And I think there are, there's a whole set of descriptive facts from either psychology or um, anthropology or biology of just how we believe and why we believe what we believe. And then, you know, practically like, what do we do about it to change people's beliefs? Like we, we may want to, you know, our. I think for both of us, the pull is like, well, hit it with the truth. <laughs> but like sometimes you need the, you know, the little yeah. Hershey's kiss at the beginning. And like, what are the, um, what are the different mechanisms by which you can actually change? If your goal is to actually change belief, what are the mechanisms by which you actually need to do that in a human um, for better or for worse? Yep. You know I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, Bruce Lipton wrote a wrote a book way a long time ago, Biology of Belief. That's an interesting yep. one. Um, uh, Doctor, I think it's Anthony Damasio. I believe I could be bastardizing his name. I I, I uh, have only read uh, articles or students of his that have done lots of research in neuroscience and cognitive stuff areas. I think that would be a person to go to as well for for what you just mentioned of like the structuring and how that comes to be and. And of course, Sapolsky, uh, Robert Sapolsky is uh, just so deep, deep inside of the language that uh, you could read on uh, his contributions to that and where that fits in. 
Yeah, super. Uh, go to at some point. Yep. Yep. That was great. Um, I wrote down a note there too for uh, um, how the uh, individualizing of things um, is really important in this, in all, in what, what, what we do, right? What OPEX does and where that, that always helps us become a little bit more hopeful <laughs> in that if we, if we focus on the individual and we, you know, meet them where they're at and have the right conversations and know how to move up and down and have tools that allow us to change people's perceptions and reframe things, you know, what, what is all that? That's individualizing it. That's making it work for them, you know? And so I think then you may not struggle as much with whatever you come into with beliefs because you're really, you are honoring the aspect of what you believe um, in principle because you're treating the person as a, as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you have that, I, like all the principles we talk about in mind of the coach attributes and assuming that person has some good in them, and this is a good relationship and these are the expectations, then I think you can, it can lead to some really positive thing, but damn it, we need more soldiers. We need more people, <laughs> right? We need more on the front line who want to do that with people and get inspired um, to, to what I said earlier, it's hard work, you know, it's hard work. It's not going to be easy. Um, it's tough and you may only change, you know, 50 to 75 people in a lifetime, but I'm telling you that is really fucking admirable. You know, we need, we need more people like that, you know? And I think we're getting there, but it's, you know, it's a linear progression. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's keep that train rolling. Cause I'm getting older um and we need to keep it rocking we need to keep it moving i want to yeah call up reebok what's that call up reebok get the sponsorship <laughs> and we'll get a lot more i love it i love it the fast track car the fast track phone is phone call is always there hey <laughs> i got a problem we're gonna have the opex way on all the reebok shoes and that will that'll yeah yeah, there we go. I like it. I like it. The OPEX way. Well, thank you for this uh, today. Uh, that's a uh, thank you. That was really helpful. I think there's, as always, there's more to be in that, and uh, the topic, of course, na being named that lends itself to that. And it, uh, for me, anyways, it sure, uh, it sure uh, fulfilled that. There's a lot in there, so that was really helpful. Yeah, agreed. I always enjoy discussing these things with you. Yeah, super. Okay, uh, till the next time, uh, to give people a little taste, we're on to some uh, new and exciting things next time. Let's not tell them, you know, but uh, we got some exciting things coming up. Just trying to trying to keep you uh, in tune and liking us and subscribing. We've got, yeah, I think we've got a lot of cool new things. Even though this will, this episode will appear at some point in 2020, we're recording it at the end of 2020. So we got, we got some cool new stuff for 2021. Yeah, awesome. Good. I look forward to it. Thanks again, Robbie. No problem.